The following podcast is designed to provoke thought, spark dialogue, educate, and entertain. The perspectives and language may trigger a range of emotions from laughter to angst and possibly anger. We welcome your feedback and thank you for listening. The sanctity of the Second Amendment for all Americans is a myth. What's the most important thing a black gun owner should know? That they have rights. It's a myth today and it's been a myth from the beginning. The real history of gun laws in the United States is not about hunting and it's not about fighting tyranny. For the most part, if we're really being honest, it's been about white people having the right to bear arms and use them against black people, indigenous people, and other not real Americans. Here's the thing, once black people get guns in this country, the gun laws will change, trust me. Of a militia group now tied to Louisville could spend more than 20 years in prison. A jury convicted John Johnson, better known as Grandmaster Jay, of assaulting, resisting, or impeding officers during the protests in 2020. Some wonder why these specific charges were chosen and what they'll mean for his sentencing. The Washington consensus is that the Second Amendment is set in stone. And we just need to tweak various laws and regulations, make sure that the bad guys don't get guns. We have been silent since I got arrested. In an interview, Johnson vowed to fight what he called bogus charges. But you need a lot of resources to fight the U.S. government, especially when you know that you you haven't done anything wrong. So that certain guns shouldn't be gettable. The real Americans need weapons to protect themselves from the savages. Gun rights in this country were forged on the idea that white people had the right to take native people's land by the barrel of the gun. They were forged on the idea that black people were living pieces of property that needed to be kept in place by armed slave patrols, militias, and posse justice. The newly released dash cam video shows the moment when Officer Geronimo Yanez stopped Philando Castile for a broken taillight last July. First, asking Castile for his license and registration. I have to tell you, I do have a okay. firearm. Okay. Don't, don't reach for it, then. Don't pull it out. Don't pull it out. No matter what your position on guns is, the Second Amendment stems from an ideology that is rooted in the belief that white people have the right to control others. On August 23, 2020, Jacob Blake was shot multiple times in the back by a police officer in Kenosha, Wisconsin, after officers responded to a call about a domestic dispute, according to the Wisconsin Department of Justice. Within hours, protests began in the city. On the night of August 25, 2020, protesters and groups of armed men who said they were there to protect businesses gathered in Kenosha. Among the armed men was then 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse. We don't have non-lethal. Back at the car shop at 59th and Sheridan, the same young man who appears to be Kyle Rittenhouse can be seen asking law enforcement for water. And the officers can be heard speaking to the group. We appreciate you guys, we really do. We the jury find the defendant, Kyle H. Rittenhouse, not guilty. As historian Roxanne Dunbar-Ortiz put it, the Constitution is the sacred text of the civic religion that is U.S. nationalism. And that nationalism is inexorably tied to white supremacy. The Bruz Bookshelf presents to you 
Carol Anderson. A professor of African-American studies at Emory University in Atlanta explores in her new book, The Second, Race and Guns in a Fatally Unequal America. Give it up. You're tuned in to the Bruz Bookshelf Podcast, where we read the books and let the content drive the discussion. Listener discretion is advised. Enjoy. Welcome to the Bruz Bookshelf Podcast with your host, Lennon Givens. I'm here with my beautiful wife, Dr. Teresa Givens. Hi. Hey, baby. And here we have Mr. Donovan Snipe, my lion brother, the Deuce Dog, Fall 2001, Upside. What's happening? We also have joining us our original host, Mr. Walt Baby Love. What's going on? And as always, we have joining us. The smooth, silky, baritone voice of Dr. Harvey Hinton, the third. And we have a reoccurring guest, someone I enjoy when they carve out the time to make it to the podcast. My line brother, the 15, <laughs> Mr. Stephen Gilliam, the light skinned. Brother, that's on the cover art. It's really overly light on the color, Tell too, Steve. by the way. Mm, I don't think <laughs> that's so. that. You're very that much He's dark skin on the inside. In real life. We have a special guest, you guys, on the I podcast. washed out. Teresa, could you introduce him? Of course I would. I would love to introduce you all to uh, one-third of the terrific trio that's what i'm gonna call them the terrific trio i'm actually um super proud of all of them and i especially this one was my road dog growing up so it is such a pleasure to have him on here tonight so that we can go back and forth on our ideas and ideals but uh nicholas antonio robert smith who is my oldest son, who I am so proud of, and the um, half of my two broke best friends. So I really appreciate having him from the University of Florida here joining us tonight. I always love to see him whenever I can. So welcome, Nicholas, to the um it's not my podcast, I forgot, to your dad's podcast, The Bruz Bookshelf. Woo-hoo! Thank y'all for having me. What up, Nick? What up, Nick? Uh, what up, Nicholas? <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all, let's jump right into it. Donovan, tell us why you picked this book. Um, I was watching uh I was watching an author on Democracy Now and she was talking about this guns in general? I was like, hmm. Professor Anderson, it's great to have you back on Democracy Now! Congratulations on the publication of your book. It is a retelling, a reframing of a 
amendment that we have rarely heard talked about in this way. Can you go back in time uh, to the founding fathers, as they say, and talk about where the Second Amendment came from? This black lady seems pretty smart. Let me see where she got a book. And she did. And I was like, oh, she's super thorough. So yeah, that's how we got here. I just heard, heard her talking, usually. That's how I find a book. You found her, and you found the book, and it made you say, hmm, I want to read more about it. So I just want to jump right in and say, while I was reading this book, I was saying to myself two things. And the two things that I said to myself was, I've said this before, which is expectations. This book talks about the expectation of thinking that we are protected by the Second Amendment. And two, it talks about our status in this country, which is something that we already knew, kind of. So, yeah, that's where I am with this book. Teresa, I told Lennon that this this was the history lesson that I didn't know I needed. Like, like I'm I'm all about understanding what the word citizenship means to black people. Like that's what my dissertation was on. And so, you know, the way that this book tells stories that, you know, I love Audible and I know how to listen to quotes, but sometimes you got to read a quote to really understand who said what. And we talk about critical race theory. This book brings the stories right in front of your face I don't think as much to like, <laughs> like these people are telling you the conflict they have with robbing black folks of their humanity. And they're telling you the extent in which they're willing to do that. I mean, they fought a whole fucking war over whether or not black people were human. And so I don't know if it's about whose fault it is. I don't think it's about whose fault it is. I think this book clearly demonstrates white people's commitment to attacking our blackness. That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> they are committed to that. They like they have the meeting as toddlers. Like something fisky's going on around here, and we gotta find out what it is. Oh yeah, <laughs> straight up. Like it ain't no question. Like I'm uh, sorry for whoever thought that this shit was gonna work for them. Like I know it's people who think that they have rights. So I get you, Teresa. Like there are folks who like my homeboys. We talk about this all the time. Whether or not black people ha should have guns. Like even the idea that just having a concealed license, like forget the weapon itself, having the concealed license, there's a conversation of whether or not that allows you to get through traffic stops. Because if you have a concealed license, the assumption can be that you're not a felon. You feel mm. me? But does that but work the, for black people? <laughs> what the assumption could also be, you have a gun in the car and I need to fill you up with holes. So no, I would not say that it protects you because... But the police will look through your car if they see you got that. And it's like, well, you might. I need to check for my safety because I'm scared of black skin on, on male bodies. So and I think I think Donovan, what happens is what you just said happens, um, the person who thinks that this license is gonna protect them, they're gonna have one or two experiences where they think that it mm -hmm. worked. <laughs> mm -hmm. So they're gonna say, No, no, it works. Then everybody else is going to say, nah, man, that shit don't work. Don't even try it, homie. Because like Teresa said, the book starts off with Fidel Cat Philando Castro and, and my man saying, letting them know up front, like, hey, man, hey, uh, I have this. This is what's going on. 
and they and, and you know what happened to him. The story goes so right. Yeah, to your point, it just goes back to who's a citizen and then who gets to act like a citizen. So right, you have this concealed weapons license. I feel like I need to hurt you. This is I, no different than oh, you getting on this bus in nineteen fifty with your uniform on. I gotta I gotta <laughs> lynch you. It's the same thing. You don't get to be a citizen. You don't get to be a human being. And any anytime you try Still to assert that, we're going to rally against that and come at, at you with our militia. Because that's really the only thing militia was good for, apparently. I mean, that's what it history. said. Yeah, basically yeah. in the book. It, it, I mean, well, at the end of the book, it clearly stated that that was the only thing that a militia was really good for because it did not work um in any did other instance work. they said that you know they were deserters and but when they were being <laughs> able to get behind you know finding a runaway slave the militia was highly effective but right. you know we we do know that and you know listening to all of this i you know i am actually a anti-gun person my husband knows that Nicholas sitting there they all want me to have a gun I told them if they give me a little pretty pink one I'll carry it but until Mm. then I'm just not a gun person but um I can see how the reason behind that I'm I'm, I just don't like guns I never have I don't like snakes I don't like guns I don't know why Mm. I I just don't feel them in my spirit a lot but Mm. I can see them sitting on the fence with that very clearly, um, you know, because Lenny doesn't really like guns, but he feels like we need a gun. You know, mm-hmm. I know my son, but I don't because he's not me. He threw me. He's a tick, tick, boomer. But he's he a tick, tick, definitely, boomer. he 100%. <laughs> and I, 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 that's fearful <laughs> for me, you know, and I'm his mom. And you all know on this podcast, everything I talk about <laughs> comes from my experience of being a mom because it's the greatest thing I ever did. So, I just, I don't, of course, I don't want him to have one. I think he has one. Do you? I, I, I'm, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, <laughs> you don't want to don't know. really. I plead the fifth. But I know it's their like hearts. A cell phone and I know that they feel like the protection. <laughs> but they also know that having this makes me a target. Um. You know, Lenny has said to me before, you know, I the only reason why I don't have the only reason why I don't have a gun right now, Teresa, is because I don't want them to run my stuff. And then they see I got a gun and they kill me because they know I got a gun. So I hear all of that stuff in my brain. And it, it's it's very scary. It, I mean, it's very scary. Speaking to that, I had an incident involving a gun and a police officer where I had just gotten a job on a railroad and I had to pack up and relocate. And I bought a couple of items with me while I was training, traveling state to state, city to city, living in different hotels. What kind of hotels? I feel like the I feel like the doors are on the outside. Like Hilton like the or like the outside. There were hotels paid for by the company. Motel. So. <laughs> some of yeah. yeah. Some of them were the doors weren't outside. Boy, just HBO. <laughs> no HBO. Asshole. <laughs> But anyway, man, one of those items that I was traveling with was my gun. I kept it with me for my personal protection. Mm. And it was this one incident where I was traveling uh, north to Michigan. Michigan? And the police got behind me. And I had one of those FAMU tags. And, you know, I had just got my truck clean. And I was traveling with my gun from state to state. And in Florida, we have this law. It's called its three-point law where you have... The gun in the case, the clip is in a different location, and the clip is not loaded. So you have to 
grab the gun, take it out the case, put the uh, put the bullets in the clip, and then put the clip into the gun, like three three points. So I was I thought I was safe to travel with my gun, even though I didn't have a concealed weapons license. So when he got behind me and pulled me over, he stated that he pulled me over because he didn't recognize my tag because it had that rattler on it. Well, he told you that he didn't, he did that your tag, which the, you know, hey, it was covering part of the tag. And you know how that was. The so tag, the right. license plate. Yeah. 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 That that's a felony, that's a felony in Michigan. That was, that was good. Yeah. That was good police work. He walked on the side of my truck, put his head in the window, and he asked, what's that? I just want to fuck with you. And it was a black little box on the floor. And I said, oh, that that's that's my gun. Being nonchalant, not thinking anything of it. Then he asks, do you I have your CWL? You. While well, not being familiar with the Michigan laws and the acronyms that they used, I was ignorant. So I said, what's that? And he said, your concealed weapons license. I said, no, it's not concealed. It's right there. Then he said, put your hands where I can see them. I'm like, whoa, okay, okay, okay. And then so he said, step out the car. Step out the car. Put your hands behind your back. And he put me in handcuffs and he had me on the side of the road for like six hours, it felt like. With my hands behind my back, my <laughs> elbows got numb <laughs> while he was running the serial number on my gun. And it kept coming back as me. And he was acting like he was in disbelief <laughs> that here I am, uh, the registered owner of the truck that I had. It was a 2004 F-150 four-door. It was a nice truck, leather interior. And I had a gun that was registered to me. He was, it seemed like he was really gun ho on trying to find something on me. And what he, the only thing that he had was me carrying a gun without a CWL. And he gave me a felony charge for that. I ended up getting a local attorney and all the charges were dropped and the case was dismissed. But as a part of my agreement, I had to give up my gun. Okay, so Why let's they, unpack that. What was the charge, though? Yeah, like, what was the charge exactly? They dropped the charges. Okay, but let's un... Know, you, but but you still it? have to yeah, unpack but, that. Because if yeah. it is illegal to have a gun in the state of Michigan, ignorance of the law is not... It is not. An excuse. If it's okay to turn red turn right on red in Florida, but not in Alabama, you're still going to get a ticket. That was an instance in this, uh, in the book where it talked about uh, this young lady where she was getting raped by her uh, slave master. And she went forth and he had been doing it for like five or so years or whatnot. And she went forth and she uh, ended up killing him, right? So she killed him and she got tried by the jury and she was found guilty um, for basically protecting herself. I thought that story was very interesting because of the fact like, damn, you know what? Even in a situation where you're protecting yourself from rape as a black person, uh, constant raping for over five or so years, you still can't defend yourself. But why is goes, that? Why is that? astonishing to you I, it's okay right. so properly please, yeah let's let's i want to be clear when i say this because i know people say why would you 
and uh, Kaya already said that they were gonna throw me and her in feminist <laughs> feminist jail. So, but <laughs> I do. These are not my thoughts. I am not condoning these things. Disclaimer. But these are facts that we know. You, how can you protect yourself from something that owns you? And let's not even say, I mean, for this, because we're talking about the amendment and the guns, you know, it happens that she's a slave, but let's not, hey, not too long ago, you couldn't get raped by your husband. Hello. It, that that just Let's isn't a thing. Oh uh, yeah, y'all are all <laughs> all the men are quiet. <laughs> but yeah, they that it was you know if your husband raped you, they were like, it's not possible. Y'all probably still it's think that's today. Exactly. Here we are. Because women women were considered as property when when the the whole uh, formality of what, marriage. Okay, but what about what about the, what about last year? I, I thought. I thought it was because his body is yours and your body exactly. is his. Exactly. This is what we're like, saying. You know, <laughs> this is this is what we're. How doing. you gonna rape yourself? This is what that's we're what the, the say. That's what the liberals say, Donovan. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So if if you can't, you know, if you can't tell your husband no, you definitely can't wow. tell your uh-huh. owner no. So if you kill somebody who is taking using their own stuff, the only person who got prosecuted for that was OJ. Mm, Nicholas, mm, mm, mm. facts. Did anything in this book reach you or jump out to you? No. <laughs> <laughs> my, um, my mama did a good job of talking to me and letting me know what was real from a young age. Uh, like you said earlier, like you 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 see what's on you see what's black and white. You see what's on the surface. You see what they write. But she showed us all through the book countless times, countless examples that this isn't for us. Uh, old lady, no knock. They walked in there, shot at her. What was it, thirty nine times? Mm-hmm. Yeah, got hit yeah. five times. She shot back. Said it was justified for killing her because they made something up and was able to find out. Uh, other lady, she ran to her car when she was getting beat by her husband. Came back with a gun, gave him a warning shot, and gave him one. Didn't kill him, but she got sentenced twenty years. Couldn't protect herself, like, and. And George Zimmerman um, is out there selling stuff right, but you, on the internet. When, when George Zimmerman, when that whole thing went down, you came and grabbed me. Hey, Nick, we need to have a talk. Like, my, so like, like for real, my mom did a real good job of letting me know what it was since oh, I'm like five, six years old. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Get it out. Do what you got to do with it. <laughs> I'm just being real. But, like, I've been walking in the class, man. My mom's been like, look, you're big, you're black. Same rules don't apply. You know, what, what they tell you is not always what it is. So what you do, Nick? How you? What does that mean to you? I mean, you got. What's, so what's your solution at this point? How you? How you moving? Uh, I mean, you got to be educated, I guess. You can't. Ignorance isn't uh Ignorance isn't allowed this time because ignorance will be dead. I mean, these these are there. There's several examples. Several examples in the book where it didn't matter whether or not there was knowledge or compliance. Like white folks showed up shooting on sight. Oh yeah, I mean, you know what I'm saying? They shot at blackness. There's nothing you can do about that. They shot at your existence. Yeah, there's nothing you can do about that. That's the world we live in, and that that was my thing also with this book because I was like, shoot, if if you ain't hip to this, this this is this is reality. John Crawford, you know what I'm saying? Like, and then like, 
Nicholas, there's so many ways we blame ourselves for what happened to us. Hmm. You shouldn't have did this. You shouldn't have did that. You know you shouldn't have did this. You uh, know you shouldn't have did that. You know when people go do this when you do that? Yeah, what I'm saying. They, they're going to do what they do. Like, like, you could try as much as you can to abide by the rules and pray to God. But I, when, John, when John Crawford happened in Ohio, I was teaching and I was showing it to my students. And I remember showing it to them without sound and you can just see him and you're like, what the hell is going on? Like, what did he do? Like, like I never saw anything, right? Like, what did he do? And you just see the cops run in and blast the brother. And then it's like, he shouldn't have been playing with no gun. And it's like, what the hell? Like, like the way we internalize what we shouldn't have did. Like, then yeah, they play the it. They play it back and you hit a white boy, there's no malice, there's no nothing. Like he still took nothing happens to them when yeah, they no, do I'm not this. On that side. I'm not on the on the victim blaming side. I'm not really big on that. Cause I've seen countless times where it's been a white man, a white woman who's done more and got way less. So for me it's so it's like, should Trayvon have to walk at night? You know, how do we live? Do we all take- right. So when that part came up, I was like, man, I probably walk to that ga- gas station at night all the time. I probably walk. I go down there, eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock at night. I go grab me something, come back. I mean, we we're, we're checking into the Airbnb in Florida, and my homies is like, man, we ain't got no gun, man. We out here naked, man. These, these white folks will come shoot us, man. This stay in your ground state. All kinds of just crazy madness. One of the stories that jumped out to me the most in this book was the stories of the black farmers in Arkansas. They were they were posing no threat. They were uh to me kind of docile and they were the only thing they were doing was organizing and trying to fight their battle legally. They end up getting mowed down. Literally, the the governor called the uh, called the army and he didn't have the authority to call the army. And then so you had the people at the end was like, I just surrender. I have no weapon. I'm coming out. Please don't shoot me. Some of them were killed. Then the others were taken, detained and tortured and coerced into coming up with a fabricated story that said that these black people were plotting to kill them. There's nothing you could do that could save you from it. The only thing that you can do, and and it doesn't save you, is uh, but it does give you a better understanding, is to know that there is no protection for you. So you have to have this very tacit understanding of this is not what I am expecting. Uh, It doesn't have anything to do with guns, but it always reminds me of when the legislation, something, somebody came, knocked on the door, and the people were like, they characterized them as bamming the door down, the governor's door. State Representative Park Cannon's arrest. In the report, the officer says Representative Cannon continuously knocked on Governor Kemp's office door, and he repeatedly asked her to stop. In the report, the officer cites the January 6th uprising in D.C. as his reasoning for arresting her. They victimized this black person for trying to get the attention. But if it and then when it happens in another way or if a person that is not of color does it, it's just, oh, they knocked on the door and the governor comes out and they're like, oh, I understand what you need. Let me talk with you. So 
when we expect to be treated the same way that they are treated, there's always a problem. You cannot go into any situation in America, especially, you know, for your protection or for legal proceeding and think that you will be treated in the same way that a person of non-color is going to be treated. I think it was the poet um, from Florida, um, T-double-D, T-double-D, who said, you still a nigga? That applies. That applies in all situations. (laughs) I thought you that that trick that is on. Was he in trick that? That too. That's what I'm talking about. America. T D. That was it. That was it. In America. No way. In America. Hey. Steve, I wanted to get your take on this book. I mean, I think there was like a ton of history in there that um, I couldn't absorb at the moment. Um, But it's like good facts. It's like an educational textbook for me. But for me, the moral of like the story is, hey, black people, this shit ain't for you. And I was pretty much already on that tip. So, you know, I I think I think, you know, I bought the hardcover edition of this book because I wanted to have it and, and support the author. And I think more people should read it. But um, man, it's just it's just more of the same. It's like we so inundated by gun violence. Like, did y'all hear about the Breonna Taylor stuff that just happened recently? Mm-hmm. The FBI investigation. I was surprised. What happened with that? Four current and former officers, Joshua Jaynes, Brett Hankinson, Kelly Goodlett, and Kyle Meany are facing federal indictments. Among the charges, the attorney general alleges that officers submitted an affidavit for a search warrant that they knew was based on lies and then conspired to cover up what they allegedly did. The Department of Justice also said Hankinson used excessive force when he fired blindly into Taylor's apartment. So so basically what happened is the police had a unit called the Place Based Investigations Unit and they were clearing out a area that was slated for the mayor's redevelopment real estate buddies and the mayor had like this big redevelopment fund and so they were trying to go and speed up the development and the the unit is being accused of being corrupt there's FBI investigation that's opened but basically they're saying that the cop went they they were doing this no knock warrant they like made up some evidence to get this warrant. And then the cops went to her window and started shooting. And then the other cop said, oh, uh, the, the people that were serving the warrant on are shooting. And then they were just shooting back and forth at each other. And so like uh, some of the police are getting arrested for obstruction of justice. And, you know, you know, the uh, attorney general that declined to press charges. He's a Sigma. He's a black dude running for reelection, by the way. Uh mm-hmm. But uh, all folks, you know, talk about it. She shouldn't have dated that dude. She shouldn't have been dating them bad guys. And she yeah, right. And it, and they shot. They shot at us. They shot at us, and so we had to light them up, right? And so it's just like you know, more evidence that this shit ain't for you. Like for me, like I don't have a gun. Like I'm ambivalent over whether people get guns or not. I don't have a gun because I don't. I've never found myself in a situation where I was like, "Gee, I wish I had a gun right now." And I figure I'll try and try and like get out of it another way. If shit start looking like uh, Lord of the Flies around here, I'll probably cop something. But until then, you know, like I don't need I don't need the uh, I don't need the excuse uh, that other people will use. And uh, man, it's just sad, man. It's just like there's more bullshit.
Like, yeah. This whole race thing and in, in our position in, in America, I've been saying this since a child. I think where we made a mistake is when we ask for equal rights. Mm-hmm. And I always look at it as um, the foster child coming into the home. What? We love you. <laughs> you 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 have access to everything. That is a horrible analogy. But you're, <laughs> but you're not my child. Oh, my God. Right? I'm so glad I don't live with you. Oh, I do. Sorry. So we came here to serve a purpose. And our purpose is was over, but we were here lo- too long where we had people who were born here and we didn't have a land other than this land. But we were here to build something for white people. Well, that kind of happens the when white you're man, stolen. Though. Right, and so what we should have been doing was trying to advocate to and push right. for a strong number two. We was while we were pushing for a equal and being on the same as the white man, we had the Asians coming in and securing their position. We had the what are you talking about? Yeah, we had that's and now we still at the <laughs> bottom because we're yeah, trying to be number number one. I mean, equal to number one inside of what is the But there's still a way that's you know that that's still it's a little bit different, and you're trying it's so many pieces that go with that that you can't really just just do that. So I'm gonna try to bring it back. I'm not sure if I can, but I'm going to try like to bring it back a little bit. Give the raps gas stations. I'm sure somebody wrote a book about that, and we can delve into that later. But um, mm-hmm. my grandmother used to say that integration is the worst thing that ever happened to us, and in a way, when you look at what integration did, you know, and where we were before we were fully integrated and we had our own communities. But, you know, as a people, we probably thrived a lot better. But when we didn't integrate, they were going to take it anyway, because, you know, we have all of these. There were stories in this book that talks about how whenever we're doing well, they come in, especially the poor in uh poor white community, they mm-hmm. become jealous WT. and they will take their arms and obliterate the entire town, you know, black wall street and so many others, you know, they bombed, you know, communities. So, you know, this, this book to me, and, and I think this is what team I'm on, on this book. And that is, Hey, we weren't supposed to be here. They don't want us to be here. Stop thinking that you are equal to be here and figure out what you're going to do to make it better for yourself. Nicholas, what do you think that white fear comes from? Not knowing. Culture difference. They're not us. They don't get it. I think that's where a lot of fear comes from in general. It's not knowing. It's almost like jumping out there in a deep behind ocean. You don't know what's out there. You just scared as freak. Yep. Fear the black planet. I mean, they that fear is taught ignorance, though. I mean, they they know very well what the hell they're doing. Right. So and then they use yeah. that as a weapon. And and that fear is also based on like 
a continuous series of lies, like over and over and over. Like you can you you can see like from different points in his book, man, where like like the generals and like the, the, the local militias, they was making up stories as the blacks was like trying to protect themselves, you know? Like this guy's armed, they've already killed like seventeen they already killed three people. They said that they wanted to go and uh uh they got the, the blood is boiling to be able to kill more whites, you know. Like as this stuff was going on, they was using those like lying tactics to be able to have more whites join onto the different militias and kill black folks. And to yeah, to justify their actions, but that still right, happens right. today. You know, it happens, you know, in these stories of your know, present day when uh cops you know, they I'm not saying here we go. I'm not saying that I condone, but you know, there are times I'm sure there was a cop. He, you know, acted out of fear because I don't know what I'm doing and I'm scared for myself. But I just, you know, I had this gun, pow, I shot him, I killed him. So now they go into, ooh, I do. I have to vilify this person. I have to, you know, even though, you know, I could just say, I'm sorry, I was afraid. That was my fault. He didn't do anything, but of course, at that point, he's going to go to jail or lose a job or whatever. But instead, they don't go to jail. you know, they, you know, <laughs> maybe if he admitted it, I'm not sure. But I guess it's America. He still might get off. They probably throw the sympathy card at him then, and like, oh, he's so wonderful. I mean, but who wants to be a cop anyway? It's it's <laughs> oh this, this book. This I, book is so painful so in the sense that you know, <laughs> talk about. You use these examples of where peaceful people Lame. were gunned down, you know, <laughs> or people who who underestimated the capacity of violence that these other folks will produce. Right. And so it, it's like, you know, we don't like talking about violence, but it's like it ain't so much what position we took. They took violence. They chose violence but, numerous but times. But look at this. Think about it, Harvey. And, and you know, think about it. If you stole all of these people... And you brought them to this land and you know you're outnumbered because, hey, you're the big man. You probably have a wife, a couple of kids, you know, some more hands to help you in this plantation. And you're super rich. You have about, what, 50 slaves, maybe? You're outnumbered. So what are you going to use to stay in power? Fear. Fear. And then oh, once you use people. that fear... <laughs> To keep them in power. <laughs> now, exactly. once these people are free, now what do you, now what 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 do you think you've done? You I have to keep these people under control because these are the people that you have mistreated for so long. You are afraid now that these people that you have beaten, we'll raped, all of this stuff to, now they're free. What do you think they're going to do? We, we've proven over and over again that we don't give a damn about retaliation. So, like, they, they create should. retaliation in their head. Yeah, like, we don't sit there going crazy <laughs> in their own minds. Like, God, stop. That's like, true. Like, and think about it, like the same way how trauma's passed on through DNA. They've been sitting there doing that, so they just going crazy in their they own head. I wonder when the rest of them just going to run out here and just... <laughs> That's crazy. Like they, they know how mm-hmm. bad they treated us, so they're waiting for us to come back. Like they're like, they gotta come back, and we just doing well, our own thing. We just don't give a fuck. Psychotic doing- personality disorder. It's not gonna make sense, bro. We got so many other things to worry about besides <laughs> retaliation. About fighting back, yeah. Yeah, we got taxes. We got unemployment. We got 
when, when, you get, when you get some money helping out the ones behind you, looking at you, client, it's so much other shit to worry about. I'm gonna be real with you though. If I had, if, if I had like 10, 15, 20 little people in my house right now and I was working them to death and beating on them in junk, and then I was like, yeah, you know what? Y'all can stop, do whatever y'all want. I'd be pretty scared to close my eyes at night, too. You better. <laughs> you better. He said, Tim, it's I the need nature. little people. It's the nature of the situation, you know. The nature of the situation, man. It's not, it's not humane to hold another human captive. <laughs> no, nah, not at all. That's it's what I'm saying. It goes down the boondocks, you know what yeah. I'm saying? I don't know if you watched the boondocks, Nicholas, but they had an episode about that in the boondocks. Okay, okay, okay. Let me explain. You must have lost your mind. You must kidnap Oprah. And that shit drove them crazy. They end up fighting. It, it's that oh, it is in the house. In the house. They were yeah. going crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They had the BB guns and yeah. all that through the house. Yeah. And he was trying to talk some sense into him. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you become, you know, the, the effort to hold another human captive. You know, the process of. Uh, having to dehumanize them to make yourself right, and then the the physical toll it takes on you to become the demon to watch over him. It's a it's a six uh, 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 phenomenon that's taking place, man. And we've been living that in it for a long time. We got free, like really. That's what the whole prison industrial <laughs> complex is: is that whole keeping prison people captive because I'm afraid or. Oh, I don't like you because I don't I don't like to just think white people are afraid of black people and excuse me non-white people they don't like non-white people they know what's going on they're educated they can read they don't like us so do you think all white people i i wouldn't say all white people no i wouldn't say some all white people. people's allies like look at the quakers mm-hmm. back in the day i think um, they have to make a conscious choice to be allies no, 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 I wouldn't say, they were I wouldn't allies say, oh, with limits and the book spelled that out too they well, still had a level a of limit. fear i think it's more disdain I, I I mean I thank you for thank you for saying that Walt because like I feel like there is a type of European that was hundreds of years ago that was just ruthless and they were exploiting and killing right. everybody and if there was mm-hmm. no such thing as black people they'd be doing right. it to other white people mm-hmm. as well right. they were. and they were they doing were. it to other white people as well until they came over here and they came over here and they had the little people in the apartment and they were like oh no. Uh, this is not going to work out for me because like my lifestyle requires 800 other motherfuckers working for me constantly and me exploiting so I can earn some people on my side. And I feel like white people, especially poor white people are constantly coerced into buying into racism or stereotypes or fear of black people, because if they don't, they pay a penalty with the rich white people or the white people with power and the more power you get, the more you, you more you have to lose. Hey, Steve, quick and, question. Yeah. What penalty do you think poor white people pay? Nigga love them. Treated differently. Right? They get ostracized just like us, right? Like if you if you live in a white racist town and you dating uh outside of your race, you ostracize. For me, it seems, you know, that it's about money and power it just seems like for a certain type of person because again mm-hmm. you know i don't like to call out money you know, one person based on something else but that that personality that person that that <laughs> we're talking about it's about money and power and doing anything 
to maintain that money and that power. Because when we talk about slavery, I think the overwhelming response about slavery wasn't the humanity of it. Because what the hell is humanity when you want to be rich? That's ancillary. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's, and that's now. Who the hell cares about morals and values when you just want to be rich? And that's what America is. And if you can find yourself in that place to where you don't, you can throw that or, out the window. You know, that seems that's where the people are most, you know, they're the most highly effective. It's when you throw all right. of that out the window and just go straight for the money and the power. I'll be getting to the money. <laughs> if you could just take all the emotions out and put ourselves in their shoes, do you think that you'll be fighting as hard to keep your assets, your quality of life, the way it is? Or would you be willing to give up your quality of life just to help your neighbor? Now, you know that I have already done that. And I have taken my race out of that. You have the audacity <laughs> at times to call me Candace Owens. So you know that I can do that. But no, I do not. But Lenny says that I do because sometimes I do. I strip it all the way down and I say, you know, let's just look at the black and the white of it. No pun intended. But I do not believe that I would because we're not I'm not talking about race. I'm talking about humanity. I don't care if they're white, red, yellow, purple, green. You know, it is let's not, not talk about you personally. But if your ultimate goal is to establish a system of capitalism, absolutely, you cannot have any more. But this is the deal. This is what happened. You know, the North was already doing it. Now, let's not get it twisted because that's a point in the book as well. And this is the point that I say all the time. I am 100 percent grateful that I was raised in the South. I'm glad that I was raised in the South because in the South, we call a spade a spade. And they Mm -hmm. talked about how in Oakland and, you know, in the North, sometimes people got confused. You know, you were black. You got there. You were like, hey, you know, I'm free up here. No, you're not. You're not free here because you're not free anywhere. But you think you are because that's what the law says or people have told you that up here we can do this. But they lynched people in the north just like they lynched people in the south. But in the south, you knew the rules. You knew the faces. You knew where it was going. So I think that at this point... You know, the North was already paying. That's the that was the issue. They're like, we're paying our workers. You're not paying your workers. You have an unfair advantage in the South. You guys are racking up down there off of unpaid labor. We want you all to have to work just like we do, you know. So, yeah, I I think that it could have worked. I don't think that we should have to had to have depended on that. We could have. You know, they could have gone into those meetings and said, "Okay, well, you know what? We know you have slaves. We know you want to do this. Let's work on a five year plan, a 10 year plan, a 15 year plan, a 20 year plan. You know, and then nah, they could have also them, humanely <laughs> sent us back to Africa. That was, them boys in South Carolina won't go on for that. <laughs> that's all. Yeah, they had a hundred year plan to keep that, us no, under their boot. <laughs> it was like, yeah, yeah there's no negotiation. Anyway. It wasn't a negotiation. My point yeah. isn't that the South yeah. would have done <laughs> it willingly because they lost the war anyway. I mean, that when you take emotion. They didn't. The North didn't want to do it. You take emotions out. That was the funniest shit to me. They wanted the same 
thing to happen. They did not want the South to have all of this cushy, cushy life and not have mm-hmm. to pay the same thing that we had to do. I mean, you don't, don't you don't feel that. like in a normal situation. If you had no, no, to, it's kind of like the South was that's basically like China, like free labor. You can export your people, and you know the North <laughs> is like we got all these rules and shit, and y'all better you can no. Right. We need to desegregate slavery. Yeah, and, and it wasn't like, because they cared about slavery. Like, it was that, that they cared about their bottom line. Their bottom yeah. line. Like, mm-hmm. we're trying to come together to fight a foreign enemy, and all of a sudden, the, the South is like, wait, 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 These is niggas. <laughs> <laughs> These ain't me. These is niggas. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute, gentlemen. Wait a minute, gentlemen. I don't even, I don't even believe... I don't even believe it was a North versus South jealousy thing, though. Like, like I don't even believe it was that. I, I feel like they were like, no, we can't hold these people let's down. Let's talk about that, man. Like, like the, the, when it was time for the, for the war and how they had to recruit, like, the blacks in the South to join, like, the military, man. Like, it was so much turmoil going on, like, within the book, you know? Like, also, like, how do you even, as a white as a white slave owner or a white militia a person, how do you even approach a black person? Say, hey, look, man. I know we. I know you've been you've been down your for high. sixty years. You know what yeah. I mean, man. Hey, we we did X Y Z to you, man. But look, uh, listen, man. We need you to help Whoa. us out in fighting this war. Well, we got oh, we got folks in our community, and I heard it out their mind. Some of our elders, and I say this with humility and love, who felt like to the answer to your question, if the white man told them to fight in their war, and they were slaves, they had no choice but to do it. Exactly. It wasn't a request. Hey, I need you to go out there and fight. But the overall issue was the overall issue was that I saw in the book was that they didn't want to uh they didn't want to arm though. Right. To the black guys, right. That was the overall issue. But they had to give arms to the black guy in order for them to even be able to have some line of defense, you know? They had to train them. They had to give them weapons. There's been a lot of criticism about blacks who wear the uniform, and I'm one of those of the notion who thinks that 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 that's a, a, a honorable, respectable path of life. Like I got nothing against black people who wear the uniform. I'm all for it, actually. Well, one situation was when um those soldiers got accused of like um what was it? It's, they got accused of like killing like these white folks. Mm-hmm. It was in his town, and then all the soldiers were accounted for, right? Roll call. Mm-hmm. And then, and right, they were still call, dishonorably right? discharged. And it was that was a sad story. They to found me, out where like, the bullet cases man. came from as well. Like they still, right, they right, right. They yeah, yeah, they. Yeah. And was all that Theodore Roosevelt as the president? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It made me look at him differently. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it made me look at him differently. How was you looking and at it's him like, before? These weren't like stories. <laughs> this was like. <laughs> The, the, he the gave him a chance, man. He gave him a chance. He was, he, was, he was hoping he was hoping he was He got a good nickname. You know yeah, <laughs> this might be the one. What? I used to call him Teddy. Teddy You know what? Um, it's a good time to segue into this portion of the podcast lit bars. where we have lit bars. And lit bars are any literary bars. phrases that jump out or anything that's, that jumped out in the book that spoke to you. Lit bars. Lit bars. Donovan, I want to start with you. 
You picked the book. Do you have any lit bars? I got one. No amount of zeal, patriotism, effectiveness, or courage could fully overcome white fears of black men with guns. Okay. Steve, do you have any lit bars? That was actually my lit bar. That was it. That one right there. You mean Steve like okay. right here? I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would have said it on beat, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was a, a feeble lie. <laughs> uh, Harvey, I know you have lit bars. You keep them on deck. Yeah, I got two, and I get a chance to correct the brother's name because I butchered his name earlier, but here we go. From colonial times through the 21st century, regardless of the laws, regardless of the court decisions, regardless of the changing political environment, the second has constantly meant this. The second a black person exercise that right, the second they pick up a gun to protect themselves or not, their life as surely as Philando Castile's, as surely as Alton Sterling's, as surely as 12-year-old Tamir Rice's could be snatched away in that same fatal second. Um, my second one was, in his appeal, David Walker boldly stated, one good black man can put to death six white men. And I give it as a fact let 12 black men get well armed for battle and they will kill and put to to flight 50 whites. Okay, okay. Walt, what you got for me? That was one of the ones I had that Harvey <laughs> said, which was a, was a real good one. But I, I'll say one other one then. It says, uh, this goes to uh, the police were reporting about the Black Panther Party. Um, a reporter said that it is clear that the members are well informed concerning, concerning the laws Governing the ownership of weapons. Okay, okay. I have I have a couple. I'm glad because you're gonna do one for me. Okay. All right. This first one is for Teresa. I'm a bump for her. There you go. There you go. All there right. Go. The first one is freedom and independence has now become what the founding fathers feared—a lethal virus that could not be quarantined in whites. In the only in the world of only whites, in whites only world. You know what? <laughs> That's what happens when you take your eyes out the page. <laughs> and you got a bump for Nick. Bars, Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You had told me last minute, so I had thought of something, but it wasn't anything. It was the. She said, "Open carry was open season for people who were scared of other people." Something I couldn't really remember. <laughs> it was. All I remember was, I decided to pick that one because. I, I really thought that hit it on the head, like, off the jump. Because a black person walking around open carry, we see white men in a group, we're just going to do our own thing. We're going to walk by. Like, it's, we're not going to be clutching on our gun. We're not going to be scared. We're not going to call anybody. But if a white man sees a group of black men and he's scared and he does let one go and kills one, he's more likely to get off on that charge than any black person in that same environment. So it's, for me, it was like, well, Here's everything you were saying right here. Cal Rittenhouse was like our evidence as well. Like we mm -hmm. open carry is open season. Yeah. All right. I have one. Said black soldiers had fought for the United States and Cuba, the Philippines, and Mexico. But because white feared that this war, the war to make the world safe for democracy, would give African Americans an inflated sense of their status especially if they engage in combat. 
dog, my daddy told me in this country, you can't be too extreme. And I think that's the that's that's where I find my peace. Um, I mean, it's 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 two twenty twenty two. Um, I look at a time I got a timeline on my wall that goes back about five thousand BC. So I have a historical context that I look at every day to keep me grounded and balanced. And I don't try to be too extreme, man. I try to, you know, enjoy the moment because I'm aware of what's going on. I just try to enjoy my moments. Hey, Harv, is that is that similar to the one you had in the center that I saw? Yeah, the it's wall? the same one, yep. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. the same one, yeah, yeah. Well, tell me your thoughts on this book and rate this book one through 10. All right, so my thoughts on this book, this book gave us like an historical blueprint of some of the slave revolts, uh, some of the um, history in which like black people that, cause I mean, it, we heard about some of the popular slave revolts, but it, it gave so many issue, so many instances in his book where there was like several other slave revolts that I had never heard of. So that was very powerful for me, for me to even, even know. And then some of the uh, things that black folks did as far as organizing as the sharecroppers did, cause I had family members that were sharecroppers in deep Mississippi. And I always wanted to know, like the math on that. And this book actually gave some of the math. It said that um it said that basically at the end of the year, um, one of the sharecroppers farms, uh, when the price of cotton had went up uh so high that they basically owed the sharecroppers owed nineteen thousand dollars in t- in today's money. Mm-hmm. Which is like absolutely insane, you know. Um, but obviously slaves can well obviously sharecroppers can read or can write and also the, the sharecroppers uh didn't have access to the actual books themselves so whatever was written down was pretty much written down and had to abide by those rules and you know back in those days like it was against the law to call a white person and say a white person was a lie right because we saw what happened to those sharecroppers when they tried to organize and do it exactly. the right way nicholas rate this book and give us your thoughts <sighs> Uh, personally, I give this book about a two out of ten, <laughs> just just because it, it felt like a lecture for me. Man. It was nonstop. Oh. I was getting banged out with the oh. year, the month, the names, this and that, court dates, events, and I was like, okay, yeah, boy, I, I got like it. But it's not something I don't like it. It's just the way that it can be. You know, you, you don't have to teach things the same way. And uh, for me personally, that was all it was. But other than that, I mean, I, th- I think it was a great book. I thought it had a lot of knowledge behind it. Uh, like I said earlier, if, if if you don't know this now, then you need to get hip to it. And I think this is one of those books where it's like, all right, we, we can put somebody on game. But other than that, I, I'm not doing this again. I'm not reading it. I wouldn't read this book again. I, this, this is a one-time thing for me. And the next next book I got to pick, uh, I can't do this. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Harvey. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this book? I'm hey, man, I had a 10 in my pocket, but damn, after hearing that. <laughs> yeah. Nah, like, two, two was nah, personal. Two was nah, personal. Nah, nah, nah. It is. I get it about a seven or eight. Nah, homie. Nah, homie. Keep your two. Yeah, he said two. I prefer that this is a series of TikToks where I can. It's more like this. Let me put it like this. I had a lot of this knowledge already. So it felt like it was just already getting put all over me again. I'm just like, man, I'm sitting here in my room just listening to an audible, just ranting over stuff that I I know. 
So, so Nick, yeah. I hey, but Nick, look, the, the, but look, the thing is, you got to realize that because everybody is not as informed right. as you are. So I can't on get this. That, that matters, right? Well, so that, that's- when we on the podcast, we more so be speaking to uh, listeners that may have no idea, and we may not have no idea at what point of information that we're reaching them at. So you got people that's like elementary level with black education information. You got people that may be scholars like Harvey, you know, they got the timeline on their wall, you know, so it just depends on. I did lead with personally. You did. You did. Got his mama's brain. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna hold my ten because um, yeah. it was it was the history lesson, like I said, that I didn't know I needed. Um, I I totally agree with Nicholas' sentiment. I mean, I knew I it's one of those things that I knew but didn't know I forgot because I think we get beat up sometimes. Um, being black men who 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 do work in this space, and so for me, listening to the black woman's um, tone. Um, and then knowing that these were facts, it wasn't like somebody was trying to position a point per se. The point was clear that was being made throughout the text. And so I'm like, um, yeah, it's not something that I necessarily, uh, to Lenny's always scenario, would I recommend this to a person who hasn't read a book before? Probably not. So I totally respect uh, where Nick is coming from with that too. But this is going to be a 10 for me, man. I, I enjoyed it. It was short. It was to the point. And like I say, the sister did a did a great job of bringing the information to the table. So I appreciate it. A lot of times when we read nonfiction books, it's inundated with a lot of facts and historical factoids. They bore me out to Nicholas' point. But this one in particularly was very laid out in chronological events. And I was thinking about an attorney stayed in their case. She covered every angle. With that being said, this book is a 10 for me. Steve? Uh, 10 out of 10, support Black women. Okay. <laughs> I, honestly, I, I want to give what Nick said. I'm not sure who the audience is for this book. This feels like felt like a research paper to me. Um, and I, I'm not sure that if I put this book up against uh, John Wick 1, 2, or 3, uh, if that's going to help sway people getting guns or not. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I just don't. I just don't. <laughs> like, if, I, if, if Nick wants to get a gun and I'm trying to talk him out of it, I'll be like, here, read this book. And he's going to be like, trash. If uh, right, a liberal right. white person uh, is already on our side, uh, a Republican white person, like, they don't care about this. Like, they're not going to be like, oh, this is fucked up. They're going to be like, did you see Top Gun? Like, I just, uh, I think it's a necessary book. I bought the book. Again, I bought the book, but I, I wouldn't, I also wouldn't read it again. Teresa. Um, yeah, it seems like it might be Team Teresa, Steve, and Nick, but I'm not going to give it a two. I'm going to up it because I did like the way that it was written. And um, Harvey, your lit bar was actually very good. I love the play on word Mm -hmm. because she used the word second several Mm -hmm. times in that. So um, I'm sure you picked up on that when you chose it. So I do. I did enjoy her style of writing. But again, it was information that I already knew. 
Um, so, and of course I am rating the book in my opinion of the book. So I, did I say eight? You didn't say anything. Okay. So seven and a half, eight, uh, because the information is valid, but there's no answer in this book. No, no. it's not. Oh, no. Because so, there is no answer. Oh, no. Well, you know, when we read a no book, you kind of, you do, you want no to, you want to wrap it up. You it's want hard. to say something to wrap it up. And and so this book was very open-ended. It's kind of when you go to the movies and there's this cliffhanger at the end with nothing. And you're like, what? Did so, she say why she wrote the book? Did she say that anywhere? I didn't no. hear her in it say I guess just for a better under it just seemed like it was for a better understanding and I already had an understanding so after the cow written house um verdict I okay think, but I did she because of no just, I thought that was like the icing on it I thought it was uh, more like uh, um no no at no, the, the opening she said she wrote the book because right. of uh Fernando Castile. Right. Philando Castile. Philando Castile. The idea yeah, that the NRA didn't show up in support of what was taking place when black when black people get killed with guns. Which is because and they're not. Because you it's know. not for us. So again, that brings me right back to my point, which is number one. There is no expectation to be treated fairly in this country when it comes to uh, the Constitution or any rule legislation that was made before we were even citizens in this country. And number two, you know, my second point is call a spade a spade. Make sure that you understand where you are when you are in that place. So. Uh, my biggest takeaway from this book in this entire podcast is that I am so overwhelmingly happy that um, Nicholas is here and that he reaffirmed the things that I was telling him when he was five, because there were times when I felt like I was talking not just to myself, but that I was fighting a battle that may or may not exist anymore because in the world that we lived in, uh, in Orlando at the time when he was five years old and I was saying to him, you know, and I remember I was on my knees and I grabbed him by his shoulders and I said, look, you are the biggest blackest boy in this class. Do not give them any reason to find for you to be the threatening black person because you're the only black person in your class you know and he continued to be the only black person in his class from kindergarten to the eighth grade and i don't know if you all heard me earlier when i said no wacky wednesday for you but oh. you know that was you know Freak, a no, thing. I was in jail. yeah it was a thing. it was always a reason so, so basically had like this amazing recess wednesday thursday friday wacky wednesday through the thursday fun friday Man, I ain't make it to one of them. I might have made no, no, I did make it to one because they felt bad for me one time. And <laughs> it was like, What's right? rather, what happens? All right, so it's also this little rule you get three tallies, you mess up three times, or whatever you did has to be worthy enough to get a tally. So you got to actually get in trouble. It can't be no slap on the wrist. I'd be getting slaps on the wrist. They'd be like, Tally, tally, tally. Man, I'd be having like 15 tallies by the end of the week. Right. Oh, but you couldn't no get three. For you. 
No, no, never. Wacky Wednesday. Yeah. And, and and it became, you know, a point where those were my lessons for him. It was just like, you know, no matter what you do, it's always going to be something different. Like the superintendent's kid, I want, and I'm sure you remember this, but ask Nicholas to play Thump. You know, no, 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 no. Well, I got asked. Nah, remember we was playing. We was at recess one time because this, this one I had my own recess at one point as well. We were at recess. They would say, "Hey, we're gonna play tackle football." Oh, bet. Oh no, not that time. The time oh. that you were playing thump, and the kid was like, "No, you. I want you to play thump." And you were like, "Okay." So he was thumping you really, really hard, and you were like, "Okay." And then you turned around and you thumped him. And it was a huge big deal. The superintendent wanted to call a meeting and, you know, why was, you know, why is he playing with my son? And you all were the exact same age. So that's when I went to the school and I had this big, big thing about, you know what? Don't let him play with any of the kids. You know, we're going to have to sign a contract. If anybody wants to play, because everybody wanted to play with Nick. I want to play with Nick. I want to play with Nick. But if a kid got hurt, then it was, oh, my God, Nick hurt my kid. So I just got to the point where I was like, don't play with anybody. You did did hurt their kid. Yep, I can't believe you sent him to white schools, Teresa. This is where you were. Well, this is where he was zoned to go to school. (laughs) And again. So you're in nobody's address you can use, Teresa? You and nobody with different you can use. They want it better for their kids, son. <laughs> They're risking his life off. They're risking his life. They're canceling his recess. they canceling his recess for what? A job, Har? For what? A degree? Some books? Listen, uh, Lydia just said I'm going to be clear. They don't even read, so I want to be clear. I just want to be clear. He doesn't know cursive. I don't know cursive. I don't know cursive. I don't know cursive. From the beginning, so I mean, overachieving yeah. black men. I mean, we're the norm, and they, they be they be they be tripping like we not like overachieving black men are the fucking norm. norm. And, and those that you see that got killed off, that's because them motherfuckers was like Hancock. They was just <laughs> so special. They had to kill them off, and we the last ones. We the, we the, we the ones. You know what I'm saying? So we still here. We ain't <laughs> yeah. going nowhere, baby. <laughs> Head high to the finish. <laughs> so that's that's why I had to give the book a seven. I, it keeps moving, but yes, seven, seven, seven is where I land. All right, Donovan, you pick this book. You gonna close us out? Oh, you know, I never gave my. I I, I give oh. my. Uh, oh, he did. yeah. I, I, nah, he I didn't rate it. Yeah, I didn't rate it. Yeah, I rate I rate the book a um a ten. I like the uh the way it was written. I love the historical facts. Um, kind of was a history lesson, but it's also like Harvey was saying, it was a um a history lesson that um I, I definitely definitely needed uh, a refreshing or some stuff I did not know, and then some stuff I did know, but it still was um the way she put her words together and some of the nuances of the stories was like real real special to me. So I give it a ten out of ten. All right, Donovan, bring us home, Donovan. Word. Well, Dr. Anderson is a historian, is a disclaimer. So that's why it seems like a history lesson because that's she's a doctor of history. Um, I have to look at 10. Um, actually, I give it a 9.5 just because this, the beginning was a little slow for me, but then she picked it up as she got through. Um, 
I like the thoroughness of it. Because um, I've listened to her talk on other subjects as well, and she's very she's very succinct. And I like how this book kind of just laid everything, like how you said about if you look at it from a feminist point of view, if you look at it from a patriot point of view, if you look at it from like a, any point of view, you look at it from you can't have a gun as a black person. This this the Second Amendment ain't for you, but it's for you. So <laughs> that's a good one. Um, I like that. That's a good one. That's a good one. I, I, she she did a really good job of like illustrating how that's a truth. Like because I think sometimes these arguments are hard to make because it's like, well, out of context, these things all seem like individuals like, oh no, he just we were just afraid or they shouldn't have, but like when you put it into the greater context and you have that momentum of memory to like keep it up, it's like, oh. This is just the same old, same old from before. So I like this book. 9.5. 9 9.5. So this book got uh has two tens, two nine point fives, a two. Um um Steve, what did you give it? A, a ten. A ten. No, three tens. Okay. It's um yeah. Uh, stay with me was pretty high. Uh, Teresa, yeah, yeah, yeah she did. Um, you have the next book, I do, and you're on deck. I am. So, you, got it. Teresa, what you, got? you know, I'm gonna be a make little bit different Please, this time, and I want to get a little bit of input from the boys. Not a lot, just a little, because you don't have. But uh, and I'm not gonna tell you what it is. This is how it's gonna go. Would you rather hang out with an old friend? Or would you rather go to the movies with a new friend? The new friend, like the yeah. old friend. Like when like, you say yeah. friend, do you mean like opposite yeah. sex friend? Yeah, like, like somebody that you sexually uh, attracted how, to. How to, how to end with her? How to end yeah. with her? How, how to end? How to? How will we do that? See, y'all, we we not doing all of that. Just it, it, <laughs> either it, it may, it may you, be retrograde if it's an old friend. This is a would you rather? <laughs> would you rather <laughs> hang out with an old friend or go to the movies with a new friend? Is she divorced and like had a bunch of kids or yeah, she, yeah. this ain't this ain't just for yeah. hey, concentrating yeah, on her career. It's it's a simple question. No, it ain't. Uh, Hanging out with an old friend or going to the movies with a new friend. It's a bunch of variables in that situation. Depends what I met in my life. It depends who it is. I I don't even know what's out right now. Is is my friend is my old friend super churchy? Old friend hanging out with an old friend or go to the movies with a new friend. Hold on, real quick, real quick. Is okay. both the friend like just say both the friends exactly the same? Like just to, just to even it out. The both I real? mean they can't because one is old and one is new. I then I can't answer this, then I'm sorry. Oh good night. What right, city I, we I, in? I, are we in our city or the friend Atlanta? City? You know, well, uh, yeah, men are supposed to be similar. Yeah, like, uh, a new uh, friend. I, I don't know how to answer this question. A new <laughs> friend in a new city. <laughs> is it a neutral location? Uh, oh my Tropical? god! Is it? Is it y'all keep talking about the new friend? Is it a new friend? The north. Is it a new friend or old friend? Old friend. <laughs> Yeah, I said I said old friend too. I said old, I said old j- just to keep myself safe. Okay, so the consensus is the consensus. Old, you old, old. 
You better new. say new, Lenny. Yeah. Oh my God! Of course yeah. you would, because yeah. you want to make trade. it difficult. No, you I just want decide. new friends. I already know what the old guy. I'm ready to explore something new. Yeah, new. Well, oh, you married, Lenny? You better chill out. Yeah, but oh, the wife's right there. <laughs> 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 Uh, <laughs> She's talking about friends, right? Yeah, I yeah. did say friends. Talking about friends or fools? Friends. She said she know what a fool is. I definitely oh. know all of that. So <laughs> we're just talking about friends. It's a metaphor you know for books. I, 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 I go yeah. with a new friend because I already have my old friend. So then there I can just go. build up on what I have. There you go. That was a smooth comeback. Yeah. Uh, he evolved as a person since then. Is the past five minutes? <laughs> well, the old okay, friend. Okay, so now are we friend. are we new friend so now? We so we, I think we, I think, I think we all. I'm You're a new friend? friend. Are we I'm new friend, friend or old friend? I'm new friend. I'm new friend. I think I'm new friend. Okay, it's three. Hold on, hold on, hold on. One, two, three, four. Harvey, new I old. I said I was gonna take a new friend and a new city. All right, yeah. All right, so we, we new friends. New so, all right, so that means that we are reading um where the crawdads or whatever that book is. Where crawdads where the crawdads sing. Sing where the crawdads sing. Yeah, we're gonna read where the crawdads sing. Where the crawdads sing. Had you said an old friend, we were going to read Kendrick by Octavia Octavia Butler. Yeah. Oh, Damn man, it. I loved her, man. All right. So, what too. a crawdad scene. That's oh. cool because that's been like a New York Times bestseller. It's always been so in your that's face. Right. And, I, and I gave and you I a have clue. no idea what the book is about. I said and, a new friend going to the, yeah, go to the and, movies and, with a new friend. And you know what, y'all? Every time we stepped oh, into some uncharted territory, it's always turned out pretty good for us. You said it's called What the Crawdad Sings. Can we yes. just go see the movie? <laughs> the movie might be different. No, no, it's a movie. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's movie. a real, real talk book. Okay. Well, I mean, it's a movie. It's the first one, two, three, four cast members are white, and then there's one oh. black lady. Right. But are they white in the books? But are they white in the books, dude? Are they white? I don't know. I don't know. I we'll see. We'll see. You join this next book, then, um, then the next pick will be yours. I have to do another book just to get a pick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know how long I had to be on here before I had a pick? Just the haze of water. You have to wait for women to get a book sale. To vote. Not be raped by their husbands. Whatever it was. It's not rape. Trigger warning. Trigger warning. I mean, I'm just saying. No means no. Hey, can we watch Can we watch Nope and review it? No, is that a show? I'm with it. Is that Bill? Jordan Why is it no? No, nah, he said the. Who's that? Are you? No, I'm asking. Is it called? Uh, he said no. It's called no. Nope. Then you said no. After he said no. Uh, I hear the Kaya. I got to go. It was more like a what is no. Thank you. All right. All right. Bye. Good night. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Join us for our next book, Where the Crawdads Sing, Adelia Owens. Remember to like, click subscribe, share with your friends, leave us a five-star rating. When we turn. Not America. 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 Not America.